welcome to Lessons of Life, the podcast about the 12 laws of mind and manifesting your destiny. And today we continue with the game of life, chapter 9, perfect self-expression or the divine design. This chapter is important if you're not sure about what you're supposed to be doing. And even if you think you are, be aware that once you, uh, you know, claim it, demand it, then it will start coming to you. So uh, Florence Scovilleshan describes this very well in this chapter. Chapter 9, Perfect Self-Expression or the Divine Design. There is for each man perfect expression. There is a place which he is to fill and no one else can fill. Something which he is to do, which no one else can do. It is his destiny. And this is what I mean by, you know, play your role. You know, you, you need to find the role you're supposed to be playing. This is a verse in the Bible and that tells you, you know, you there's a perfect plan for you. There is a perfect self-expression for you. This achievement is held, a perfect idea in divine mind, awaiting man's recognition. As the imaging faculty is the creative faculty, it is necessary for man to see the idea before it can manifest. So man's highest demand is for the divine design of his life. He may not have the faintest conception of what it is, for there is possibly some marvelous talent hidden deep within him. His demand should be, Infinite Spirit, open the way for the divine design of my life to manifest. Let the genius within me now be released. Let me see clearly the perfect plan. Notice that when uh, Florence writes and the way she states this should be stated it's a demand okay it's a claim and she looked at his demand you know supply and demand you know you make the demand God provides the supply and so I I think that's a great way in my perception because it reminds you to stay strong you know you're not asking for anything that's not already yours by divine design and you know, right action, right supply, whatever has been rightly given to me, I'm claiming it. You know, I I learned this in markets with options. You know, when you buy an option, you bought the right. And if you want to exercise that right, you have to demand it first. <laughs> and this is what it's, it's telling us. Demand it first, and then it's supplied. You have to see it first, and then it's supplied. The perfect plan includes health, wealth, love, and perfect self-expression. This is the square of life, which brings perfect happiness. When one has made this demand, he may find great changes taking place in his life, for nearly every man has wandered far from the divine design. I know in one woman's case it was though a cyclone had struck her affairs. But readjustments came quickly and new and wonderful conditions took the place of old ones. Perfect self-expression will never be labor. 
but of such absorbing interest that it will seem almost like play. The student knows also as man comes into the world financed by God, the supply needed for his perfect self-expression will be at hand. Many a genius has struggled for years with the problem of supply when his spoken word and faith would have released quickly the necessary funds. For example, after the class one day, a man came to me and handed me a cent. He said, I have just seven cents in the world, and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you one, for I have faith in the power of your spoken word. I want you to speak the word for my perfect self-expression and prosperity. I spoke the word and did not see him again until a year later. He came in one day, successful and happy, with a roll of yellow bills in his pocket. He said, immediately after you spoke, I had a position offered me in a distant city. And now I'm demonstrating health, happiness, and supply. A woman's perfect self-expression may be in becoming a perfect wife, a perfect mother, a perfect homemaker, and not necessarily in having a business or public career. Demand definite leads and the way will be made easy and successful. One should not visualize or force a mental picture. When he demands the divine design to come into his conscious mind, he will receive flashes of inspiration and begin to see himself making some great accomplishment. This is the picture or idea he must hold without wavering. The man, the thing man seeks is seeking him the telephone was seeking Bell. Parents should never force careers and professions upon their children. With a knowledge of spiritual truth and divine plans could be spoken for early in childhood or prenatally. A prenatal treatment should be let the God in this child have perfect expression. Let the divine design of his mind, body, and affairs be made manifest throughout his life throughout eternity. God's will be done, not man's. God's pattern, not man's pattern, is the command we find running through all the scriptures, and the Bible is a book dealing with the science of the mind. It is a book telling man how to release his soul from bondage. A note here. In the time and place that Florence Scoville Shin was writing this, and subsequently up until 1991, everyone assumed it was the subconscious mind doing this. But it's not. It's the mind in your heart. So the subconscious mind is the meeting place. Okay, That is what the Bible is telling us. You know, you prepare the tabernacle, you prepare the soil. It's the meeting place. And unlike Neville Goddard, who would tell you to go imagine what you want specifically, and so many are doing now, it's, no, you let God inspire you. He knows the right thing. You go to Him. And you should not be forcing what you want, you think you want your child to go do, Many times that's just you trying to uh, relive your life through them, and it's not what they really want to do. And we see that throughout history.
how, but uh, in the end, God's will will be done. So you can demand, you know, with your own will by stating, I will, that God's will is my will. You know, God's will be done. And that's why you strive for the higher, for the, you know, whatever's best, you know, whatever's right, rightfully mine, you know, and it'll be great. We continue. The battles described are pictures of man waging war against mortal thoughts. Man's foes shall be they of his own household. Every man is Jehoshaphat, and every man is David, who slays Goliath, mortal thinking, with the little white stone, faith. So man must be careful that his is not the wicked and slothful servant who buried his talent. There is a terrible pen penalty to be paid for not using one's ability. Often fear stands between man and his perfect self-expression. Stage fright has hampered many a genius. This may be overcome by the spoken word or treatment. The individual then loses all self-consciousness and feels simply that he is a channel for infinite intelligence to express itself. He is under direct inspiration, fearless and confident, for he feels that it is the Father within him who does the work. A young boy often came to class with his mother. He asked me to speak the word for his coming examinations at school. I told him to make the statement, I am one with infinite intelligence. I know everything I should know on this subject. He had an excellent knowledge of history, but was not sure of his arithmetic. I saw him afterwards and he said, I spoke the word for my arithmetic and passed with the highest honors but thought I could depend on myself for history and got a very poor mark. Man often receives a setback when he is too sure of himself, which means he is trusting to his own person and not the father within. Note, when this is written, she wrote, which means he is trusting to his own, to his personality. You know, it's not your personality. It's you're trusting, you know, your own mind and not recognizing that what you did well in arithmetic because you depended on God and you've always depended on God in history. So when you decided you didn't need God, that's uh, when it falls apart. Another one of my students gave me an example of this. She took an extended trip abroad one summer visiting many countries where she was ignorant of the languages. She was calling for guidance and protection every minute, and her affairs went smoothly and miraculously. Her luggage was never delayed nor lost. Accommodations were always ready for her at the best hotels, and she had perfect service wherever she went. She returned to New York, knowing the language. She felt God was no longer necessary, so looked after her affairs in an ordinary manner. Everything went wrong. Her trunks delayed amid inharmony and confusion. The student must form the habit of practicing the presence of God every minute and all thy ways acknowledge him. Nothing is too small or too great. And note, this is uh, thinking that you turn the laws off and on, you turn God and off and on, and no you don't. Their law, their principle, and they're always working. So if you're not 
turning to them, to God. It, the laws of mind are the nature of his being. It's the nature of your being. Then you're fighting yourself. Sometimes an insignificant incident may be the turning point in a man's life. Robert Fulton, watching some boiling water simmering in a tea kettle, saw a steamboat. I have seen a student often keep back his demonstration through resistance or pointing the way. He pins his faith to one channel only and dictates just the way he desires the manifestation to come, which brings things to a standstill. My way, not your way, is the command of infinite intelligence. Like all power, be it steam or electricity, it must have a non-resistant engine or instrument to work through and man is that instrument or instrument. Over and over again, man is told to stand still. O oh, Judah, fear not, but tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. You shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. We see this in the incidents of the $2,000 coming to the woman through the landlord when she became non-resistant and undisturbed and the woman who won the man's love after all suffering had ceased. The student's goal is poise. Poise is power, for it gives God power a chance to rush through man, to will and to do its good pleasure. Poised, he thinks clearly and makes right decisions quickly. He never misses a trick. Anger blurs the vision poisons the blood, is the root of many diseases, and causes wrong decision leading to failure. It has been named one of the worst sins as its reaction is so harmful. The student learns that in metaphysics sin has a much broader meaning than in the old teaching, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. He finds that fear and worry are deadly sins. They are inverted faith and through distorted mental pictures, bring to pass the thing he fears. His work is to drive out these enemies. When man is fearless, he is finished. <coughs> Matterlick said that man is God afraid. So as we read in the previous chapters, man can only vanquish fear by walking up to the thing he is afraid of. When Jehoshaphat and his army prepared to meet the enemy, singing praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever, they found their enemies had destroyed each other, and there was nothing to fight. For example, a woman asked a friend to deliver a message to another friend. The woman feared to give the message as the reasoning mindset, don't get mixed up in this affair, don't give that message. She was troubled in spirit, for she had given her promise. At last, she determined to walk up to the lion and call on the law of divine protection. She met the friend to whom she was to deliver the message. She opened her mouth to speak it when her friend said, So-and-so has left town. This made it unnecessary to give the message, as the situation depended upon the person being in town. As she was not willing to do it, she was not obliged to. As she did not fear, the situation vanished. The student often delays his demonstration through a belief in incompletion. He should make this statement. In, in divine mind, there is only completion. Therefore, my demonstration is completed. 
my perfect work, my perfect home, my perfect health. Whatever he demands are perfect ideas registered in divine mind and must manifest under grace in a perfect way. He gives thanks he has already received on the invisible and makes active preparation for receiving on the visible. One of my students was in need of financial demonstration. She came to me and asked why it was not completed. I replied, perhaps you're in the habit of leaving things unfinished. And the mind has gotten into the habit of not completing as the without, so the within. I'll go home and finish something I commenced weeks ago, and I know it will be symbolic of my demonstration. She sewed cities, and the article was soon completed. Shortly after, the money came in a most curious manner. Her husband was paid his salary twice that month. He told the people of their mistake, and they sent word to keep it. When man asks, believing, he must receive, for God creates his own channels. I've been sometimes asked, suppose one has several talents. How is it to know which one to choose? Demand to be shown definitely. Say, infinite spirit, give me a definite lead. Reveal to me my perfect self-expression. Show me which talent I am to make use of now. I have known people to suddenly enter a new line of work and be fully equipped with little or no training. So make this statement, I am fully equipped for the divine plan of my life, and be fearless in grasping opportunities. Some people are cheerful givers, but bad receivers. They refuse gifts through pride or some negative reason, thereby blocking their channels and invariably find themselves eventually with little or nothing. For example, a woman who had given away a great deal of money had a gift offered her of several thousand dollars. She refused to take it, saying she did not need it. Shortly after that, her finances were tied up and she found herself in debt for that amount. Man should receive gracefully the bread returning to him upon the water. Freely ye have given, freely ye shall receive. There is always the perfect balance of giving and receiving. And though man should give without thinking of returns, he violates law if he does not accept the returns which come to him. For all gifts are from God, man being merely the channel. A thought of lack should never be held over the giver. For example, when the man gave the one cent, I did not say, poor man, he cannot afford to give me that. I saw him rich and prosperous with his supply pouring in. It was this thought which brought it. If one has been a bad receiver, one must become a good one and take even a postage stamp if it is given him and open up his channels for receiving. The Lord loveth a cheerful receiver as well as a cheerful giver. I have often been asked why one man is born rich, healthy, and another poor and sick. When there is an effect, there is always a cause. There is no such thing as chance. This question is answered through the law of reincarnation. Man goes through many births and deaths until he knows the truth which sets him free. He is drawn back to the earth plane through unsatisfied desire to pay his karmic debts or to fulfill his destiny. 
The man born rich and healthy has had pictures of his mind in his past life of health and riches. The poor and sick man of disease and poverty. Man manifests on any plane the sum total of his beliefs. However, birth and death are man-made laws for the wages of sin is death. The, the Adamic fall in consciousness through the belief in two powers. The real man, spiritual man, is birthless and deathless. He never was born and has never died. As he was in the beginning, he is now and ever shall be. So, through the truth, man is set free from the law of karma, sin, and death, and manifest the man made in his image and likeness. Man's freedom comes through fulfilling his destiny, bringing into manifestation the divine design of his life. His Lord will say unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Death itself. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Eternal life. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. It is very enlightening and it's well worth to sit down and reread these chapters. But this is the most, um, to me, inspirational one. When you become good at many things, you're not sure what to do, how to call upon that. The other great thing I took away from this was being a good receiver, which I myself have done those things, and I'm sure we all have. So it's good to just forgive it and claim I am now a good receiver. I give well and I receive well. And you know, understand that that's cutting yourself off when you think you're being nice and generous and you're not. You're cutting yourself off. So I hope this helps. Blessings to you and thank you. Thank you for being you.